How many TV murder mysteries have you seen that involve the on-screen cliché of a person falling down a flight of stairs? They tumble and flail violently, eventually coming to rest at the bottom of the stairs, lifeless and limp. This banal narrative device works because our sense of self-preservation runs deep. It appeals to our innate fear of injury and loss of control. But life is unpredictable. Most of us spend our days avoiding danger and mitigating risk. Our guest today has made a career out of flirting with both of them. His graceful navigation of handrails, banks, and ledges on a skateboard is mesmerizing, and he's regularly just one mistake away from a life-altering encounter with the concrete below him. Those of us that are inherently risk-averse might consider this type of behavior to be the actions of a daredevil, but they're wrong. There's an element of preparedness that can't be discounted. Don't confuse cavorting with danger with recklessness. He's disciplined, meticulous, cautious, and calculated. So how can slamming your body onto the hot concrete of a San Fernando Valley parking lot 50 times in a row better prepare you for the challenges that life presents? We'll find out as we sit down with one of the most accomplished action sports stars of all time to discuss failure, getting ready for life's second act, and what metrics to use to define personal success. Today, skateboarder, actor, Nike shoe designer, and the self-described most unextreme human in the world, Mr. Paul Rodriguez. All right, Paul Rodriguez, good to see you, man. Thanks for good sitting to see down. You. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Have you, have you been hanging in there okay? You've been getting some sunshine um, and some fresh air? Uh, yeah, I've been fantastic, man. You know, skateboarding, eating food, enjoying summer, swimming. Yeah. You've been getting to get outside a little bit more since last time we spoke. I have started going out a little bit more, but now the things are kind of seeming to like kind of respike. I'm getting a little nervous again. So it's crazy. I'm going to tame it back in. down. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting out just skating, you know, going, hitting some skate spots, doing a little street skating, trying to stay away from like big crowds. But uh, that's been fun. But things seem to be kind of reigniting. Yeah, yeah. So I'm probably going to have to taper back a bit, keep it close to home. But so far, so good. I got tested last week just to make sure everything all good. was all good. So never can be too sure. Well, cool. I Listen, I want to get right into it. Something pretty amazing happened in the sport of skateboarding recently, and uh-huh. it's also extremely topical. I just want to get your perspective. So I'm just I'm going to read sure. this. Is, this, is a, this is from Chad Muska. This is a quote. So okay. It's with, with great thought, I'd like to announce that I'm respectfully declining my induction into the Skateboarding Hall of Fame this year. I believe there's a global awakening taking place, and I find it only right and respectfully suggest that you allow Kareem Campbell to take my place. What are your thoughts on that, man? I think it's, you know, just him showing that he's part of the movement, part of the the Black Lives movement, part of just quality, you know what I mean? And just, um, you know, showing showing his, yeah, unity. It's it's a very respectful move, very courageous move, and uh, definitely a very genuine move. I've, I've been I've had the pleasure of hanging out with Chad and Kareem before together and seeing their their brotherhood, you know, their their connection. It's really a and it's, it's genuine. You're saying it's, it's a genuine thing. Those guys are genuine friends and um, genuine love that. But that's what I, I love about skateboarding in general is like and I'm grateful I grew up in skateboarding because, you know, we don't see color lines or culture lines like appreciate the eclecticness of it and where people come from and what they bring to the skate culture. So in skateboarding itself, I haven't seen too much uh, racism or, or 
discrimination. You found it to be pretty inclusive, like since the get. Very inclusive. You know, um, you know, I'm sure there's incidents that happen. But as far as my personal experience witnessing things, um, it's been very inclusive. And it's been that's one of the things I love the most about it. And so would you say like so, Chad? having the, 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 the generosity and, and the honesty and the courage to kind of step aside and, and, and request that, that Kareem goes in instead. Do you think that's emblematic of skateboarding as a whole? Like just that sense of like of community and like wanting your friends to come up as well and, and not really. Absolutely. To, to, Absolutely. To take yeah. too much shine. Yeah. It's like, even when you're on a skate session with your friends, it's not about like, I got to land my trick before he does. It's not, it's about like, yo, you do it. I got your back. Let's do this together. Oh, you want to go skate this spot? Yeah, I'll skate it with you to keep you hyped. You know, it's always kind of that vibe in the in the skate crew, um, even just on 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 a session itself. So that kind of energy spreads up on the higher levels throughout skateboarding. This kind of leads me to my next question of, and correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like I don't think has a skater ever rolled up to a skate park and wanted it to be completely empty. It's like a scenario where you really, you want to skate with your friends and there's something about like that sense of, of community and, and kinship that really sure. like makes it not only fun, but inspiring to, to progress. Right. And I just, yeah. I find it interesting because as a, from the perspective of a surfer, it's completely opposite. Like even though surfing is a, generally you go surfing with your friends, you don't really surf with your friends. It's a very selfish endeavor and you're dealing with, mm-hmm. um, a finite amount of resources in terms of waves. Like was right. that community aspect? Is that something that always attracted you to skateboarding from the beginning? Um, you know, from the beginning when I was just a little kid, it was just, I was fascinated with how do you flip the board and land back on it? Like to me, that's what drew me in. And it was a good, I guess, byproduct once I got into skateboarding and and met other skaters and started skating with them that is really where it solidified my love for skateboarding otherwise skateboarding might have just stayed like a hobby like any other thing I phase I went through as a kid you know what I mean like but I found this connection this brotherhood with people and the experience you experience skateboarding with your friends I don't even know how to put the words properly together but like you know, I have lifelong friends because of skateboarding and we have some of the best memories in the most random places. You could be in the back alley of some sketchy area, but there's a perfect ledge back there that you guys love skating um, that the average person would be like, why? Like, what is so exciting about hanging out back here? You know what I mean? Or just the corners of the world that I've traveled to because of skating and the jokes, the memories, the, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but yeah, it's, it's created such a great bond and it's taught me so much about life that once I realized that that was a thing in skateboarding, that that's why I've never left. That's why I never grew out of it or, ne- or never lost love for it. You know, my attention always stayed in it, you know? And it seems so special that because of, of that communal aspect of it, like you can roll up to a skate park, whether it's in Barcelona or Brazil uh, yeah. or Berlin and have like this immediate like kinship that you're part of a tribe right, that, you're, right. that, that you have something in common with these people. And right. I mean, I guess it leads me to my next question. And this kind of, it relates to what's going on in the world with Black Lives Matter. Has, has your identity as a skateboarder ever come in conflict with your identity as like a Mexican American? Was that something that you ever had to grapple with? Was there a lot of Mexican kids skating when you first came up? You know, I've been very 
lucky in this in the way that I was raised where like I just didn't think about things like that. I didn't think yeah. about racial things. You know, like I just I had friends of every walk of life. It just did not even occur to me about like, oh, you're black, I'm Mexican, you're Asian, whatever. Like it just was like if we we're cool, we're cool. Like we vibe together, we have the same interests or whatever the case may be is is how I based my relationship with my friends is how we connected. Um, so I forgot even what the original question was. Oh, I mean, was. I'm just wondering <laughs> if there's ever, if there's ever, I guess, I guess essentially, you know, you'd, you'd answered it. No, in a sense that like the, your, your identity as a skateboarder and as oh, a human oh, oh, oh. kind of carried you through and you never had to grapple with it. And the reason no. I'm asking, cause like, I guess my question is, is like, as a, as a white guy, not once ever has anyone ever asked me, do you identify as a white person or as a photographer? It's not something that I have to deal with. And I guess yeah. I was just, I'm asking like, is having to grapple with that period, just something that's un- inherently unfair. I mean, is that a mantle that's put on you now in terms mm-hmm. of like, you're an inspiration to young Mexican skateboarders or is that, do you have, I mean, to, it's, have to it's come that? up that, you know, other Hispanic kids have said, Hey, like, you know, once I saw you skate, once I saw, you know, there was another Mexican out there, it inspired me. And that felt good. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm not against that either. I'm not against like inspiring someone of my culture because they saw me having the same skin tone complexion of them. And it made them feel like they could do it because I don't know the circumstances that they grew up in and what pressures are put on, on them. It just, I was fortunate to grow up in a situation where that wasn't on the forefront of my mind is, is even thinking or noticing about what race or religion or creed or whatever anybody comes from. It was just, yeah, I don't know. I was just fortunate the way my mom raised me and the area I grew up in, like the neighborhood I grew up in, one of my best friends, Albert, who lived next door to me, he was uh, Korean. And, and then Jordan and Ari, two doors down, were Jewish. And my friend Tony, who lived around the block, was black. It was just, we were just the kids in the neighborhood. We, we just hung out, you know, yeah. did normal kid stuff. So I never was in a situation where I grew up and like, this is the Mexican part of town or the black part of town, the white part yeah. of town. It was just, where I grew up, it's just, everything is so intermingled that just it's that feels normal to me. Such a, a great opportunity to have, you know, a worldview that's shaped by growing up around different cultures. And, you know, right. I feel the same way, like growing up, I'm, I live on the Lower East Side. It's, you know, statistically, I think one of the single most diverse neighborhoods on the entire globe. I mean, it's so diverse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, which doesn't mean that we all don't have like inherent stereotypes and, you know, and, and biases, but I think growing up around so many different cultures and then also within, I feel like the, the culture of skateboarding, you're saying it's, it's so inclusive and it's so diverse. And I think yeah. that kind of really helps. Move <laughs> yeah. The forward. only thing in skateboarding we discriminate on is like, Oh, that guy pushes Mongo or, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, the, when you're critiquing the actual tricks, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, but n- nothing ever to do with it's merit-based it's not yeah, it's not yeah. race or, or yeah. ethnicity or culture no, based not even That's, the slightest man um so i was watching the dubai helicopter clip again recently and like mm-hmm. i got some so it looks really fucking sketchy like was mm-hmm. that pad as sketchy as it looked because there was a there was a perimeter yeah. of people like it looked like almost security guys in the suits were they literally there to keep you from jumping and or falling or keep skateboards from from going off the edge yeah. That, I mean, that was us. Like it would be two people at a time skating and the rest of us standing around blocking in case the board flew off. Because if a blo- board flew off, most of it was surrounded by water. 
But there was one side of the helipad that if the board flew off that way, you know, it might land in the, you know, courtyard of the hotel or the front entrance and wow. hit somebody on the head, you know, kill somebody. Um, so we definitely were standing by making sure that nobody's board went off the edge or nobody went off the edge. Um, but yeah, that whole time I was shaking in my boots. I was, I'm not an adrenaline junkie, but Ty Evans is. And every chance he got, he was trying to get us to do the sketchiest thing <laughs> because he just gets a rush from it. But like that platform, it shakes. Wow. It, it like wobbles. And it, oh, like the first time I realized it was doing that, I was, oh my God. Was it open edged? I mean, like if, if, a, if, a, if a board just rolled off, could it roll so there straight was off? Probably or? around the, the main circle, there was a circle, probably about a six foot wide net around that edge. So there was a net but I wouldn't want to have to rely on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what was the the political atmosphere of being in Dubai? Was there ever any moments where there was a palpable sense of, of like unease or strangeness because of the politics or the religion of the area? Like, did it feel mm. like you were in a, a, an exotic place in the Middle East? Yeah, it did at times, you know, and there's areas where it's very modern, very like, Oh, they have all the same restaurants or things we have, or, you know, like, but luxury there was, goods and all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, very a lot of luxury goods out there. But uh, it just you could tell they have different cultural um, rituals, or I, I don't know what to say. It was weird. Like it was hot. It's a desert out there, and like sometimes we'll be at a skate spot, and like one guy would take his shirt off after skating and sweating. And, like they'd come up, like yo, you got to put your shirt back on. Like interesting, you know what I mean? And so you just got to respect people's land of and course. cultures and whatnot. But yeah, that was something I, I like. At first, was like whoa, crazy, like. Oh, I'm just not used to having that level of control. Did you have like a, an escort or an ambassador that, that took we you around? We did. And that was like from the government or just culturally you had? From like the some... prince himself. The wow. prince um, The prince really is fascinated by like cameras and like filmmaking and liked Brain Farm, that production company's uh, movies. And I don't know how he found out, but once he found out that like that film was getting made and we wanted to travel the world and skate different exotic places, I guess he had somebody from his camp reach out and say, hey, please come to Dubai. Wow. We'll, you know, we'll make it skatable wherever you want to go. We'll make sure you have access to it and everything. And they were super welcoming. And they even let us go to one of the prince's palaces and we got to swim at his pool and his like pool house. Like it was crazy. Uh, it was a really awesome experience. So we, we really were pampered out there. Like anywhere we would go skate, any government building, whatever we saw that we wanted to skate, he would always have, um, there was always two or three guys from his camp escorting us everywhere. And we would just start skating. And if security guards came out like, whoa, whoa, whoa these two guys would talk to him for like two minutes. And then it was just like, all right, do whatever you want. That's amazing. So you had carte blanche really to do. Yeah. But yeah, I, we did. It was, that's how we got to skate on top of that hotel. I forget what it's called, but we, we that hotel where, where we were skating on the helipad, it's like the only seven star hotel in the world or something crazy like that. And like the rooms there are like average, like 15 grand a night type thing. And like the most rich and famous, you know, important people stay there. And then there's no way that anyone would have that kind of access. So Prince obviously had that access for us. And um, it's definitely a, a great experience and great memory to have now. But I was, I was probably the only one, but I was scared up there the whole time. And we were shooting that piece for like four hours. Oh. We, yeah. And, but the other kids we were with, you know, all the, all the other guys in the film, they're, they're all adrenaline junkies, like down to do wild stuff. 
And Ty would always hype everyone up. Let's do it. And I'd be the only one like, oh my God. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I, think a, I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear you not consider yourself an adrenaline junkie. I mean, not so how, how, do you, how do you account for what you do on your skateboard? It's just... It's, it it's, is weird. Yeah. I've actually thought about that before like it's calculated risk and skill and and for sure. not adrenaline no no i've actually like wondered like how did i end up being a skateboarder or like an extreme sport guy i'm, I'm the least extreme human um <laughs> i don't know i just fell in love with it and yeah I, I won't jump down something or stairs or rails unless i feel very confident uh, in my ability to do it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thought out. I'm not just spur of the moment, kind of like, let's just try it and see what happens, yeah. you know, like, which has been a gift and a curse. Um, and so how did that, the location for the helipad come about? Was that something they suggested or something that you, the production had known about and, and I'm requested not access exactly to? sure. I'm sure Ty Evans and his group of producers, you know, they, before we did anything, they, they spent, I forget however long, I think a whole year traveling the world and going to these spots that we were going to go to and kind of like planning out what we were going to be doing out there. And so Ty thinks big and he has big, crazy ideas. So he probably just asked for the most extreme things he could think of and see if he just see it. what he can get away with. And yeah. And so um, we did that. And then we went on top of the Burj Khalifa, which was so tall. Uh, I was like having a, um, I think anxiety just watching it. Yeah, it's I was having crazy. anxiety up there and I was in a building, but even on the balcony, you're so high. There's no other building or structure or anything even close to your level. So you're just up there. And uh, I was still like, you know, I was scared of those heights for sure. Um, yeah, by the end of that trip, I, I kind of was like a little shell shocked. Like, So I was, did you feel that you had, um, you felt like a pretty legitimate Dubai experience or was it like curated? Because yeah. you always hear these crazy stories. I'm not not to compare the two places, but you hear about crazy stories about people going to North Korea and there's like towns that it's just like a facade uh, with like people dressed. And I mean, do you get a sense that you really were free, obviously to to skate wherever you wanted within reason, mm -hmm. but in terms of like experiencing or integrating with the people there, were you? Yeah, yeah, we we did because um, you know that we 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 got to go out and see some nightlife or just cruise the city, go to the mall and just do like, you know, normal touristy type stuff. But we got to do it in such a very pampered way. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't experience it in the way that like, it was like just you, me and a few buddies, Hey, let's just go there for vacation and check it out. Yeah. Uh, I actually, you know, got spoiled and got to experience it in a way that probably few get to experience. So yeah, my first experience probably spoiled me. <laughs> Did you find it ironic that you got carte blanche from essentially like the government or the prince to skate wherever you want. And then, you know, growing up or especially a lot of kids today, like they get you harassed wish. for skating down, you know, at their yeah. local courthouse or whatever. Was it, did you find that strange? It was definitely a unique feeling um, for sure. Like, you know, like you said, you spend so much time getting run out and kicked out of places that to have somebody just give you all access to a whole country basically uh, was, um, just unreal. And you, I don't know that I'll ever have that type of experience again. So it was definitely something I savored. That's pretty cool. Well, <laughs> this has been, it's been such an insane year, 2020 for, for oh so many gosh. reasons. Um, and I know, you know, last time we, we spoke, we talked about this a little bit, but um, it seems, seems almost inconceivable that the passing of Kobe Bryant was only five, six months ago. I mean, it seems like, like a world yeah. away. Um, 
and 2020 has been its own decade. (laughs) It's so crazy. So, I mean, I know you've had, you had a really interesting and and unique relationship with him and had some pretty special encounters. Is there anything about Kobe off the court that you'd want the public to know? Is there anything about him just as, as a man that's emblematic of what a person he was? You know, I wish I did because I, I didn't know Kobe on that much of a personal level. You know, I got to hang out with him probably 10, 12 times over the years. And But I mean, is there anything you can glean from your experiences with him that speaks to his his character? Well, I, the first time I met him um, it was at a Nike event. Uh, I think Serena was there, myself, Kobe. Um, it was like the Los Angeles, some of Nike's Los Angeles athletes. And I got asked to come down to it and I was sitting in the little green room and um, somebody, a Nike, like a handler came in and said, Hey, um, Kobe would like to meet you. You want to come over and say hi to him? Like, uh, yeah. So it was cool that he was like interested in meeting me. And he just told me like, Hey man, respect what you do, man. I tried to skate, man, but I busted my ass and that was it. I was done. And I was just like, damn, like that's really crazy. Or one time he came to the Maloof money cup contest and watched uh, watch the contest. Um, so that's pretty special. Your first interaction was with him, was him wanting to meet you essentially. Yeah. Delay, yeah that's was, pretty cool. It was, it was definitely a very, very cool moment. I mean, I got to be in his, um, in one of his shoe commercials with like Kanye was in it and a bunch of other, uh, Jerry Rice and a bunch of actually famous people. So I got to actually get in there and then hang out with him on set and just talking. He was just cool, man. He was just, I, I, what I, here's what I'll, I'll say is I think my experience with him, I think he was aware of what he meant to people and what, what people feel about him. Like everybody's around him, you know, he's a superhero and everybody looks up to him and, and, and just is so honored to be around him that I think he understood what the responsibility was of that being in that position. And I think he took it seriously. Like he took his time to like, he wasn't cocky or anything. He, you know, he didn't like flaunt like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm the guy. No, just, but a like, lot of people can't handle that or they find yeah. it antagonistic, you know, to yeah. always have to grapple with that. And I think that. he just understood what he meant to people. And I think he like my experience in witnessing him and seeing him, because I seen him one time at a basketball camp talking to, um, you know, young upcoming athletes like that. He The care he took in like his individual interactions with people you know, fans from what I personally witnessed was, was pretty spectacular. And I feel like he just understood what he means to people and he respected that position. He understood that he had this, this huge gift that he could give to kids. It it takes a relatively small amount of time out of his day. I mean, obviously collectively he has to deal with that every day in his life, but just the power that that one intimate moment can have with that, with that person. It's like, yeah. And that's the thing, not even kids, like grown men. Like if you're around, like for instance, you know, after his passing and I I would see in Instagram, all these people who would post photos with Kobe or whatever, like, even if you're a grown man, celebrity in your own right, people look up to you. Every photo I see and people with him were like, it's like, you're a little kid. When you go to the mall to sit on Santa Claus lap, You're, you're just like, you know, giddy and like excited, you know, that, you know, so I think it's just not only just fans and kids, like no matter who you are, like there's not too many human beings like that, that like transcend what they do and inspire anybody like his work ethic and attention to detail and dedication to his craft is contagious. No matter what your craft, even if you don't play basketball or follow basketball, like you still know what he means to it. And, and 
you still know he's he's just known for his insane work ethic and competitiveness and drive that like anybody could take that and be inspired by that to apply that in their own field like a cultural figure that represents like dedication and hard work and humility and all these important lessons that are really outside of the realm of basketball yeah right where those things are just applicable to life um well so so you're one of you're in the pantheon of only four athletes that have had 10 shoes um, it's 10 signature shoes with Nike. Yeah. LeBron, LeBron, yeah. I think, it, I think it's is more, it more, but is it more? How many more? Well, who like, is it? Uh, well, we got LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, Kobe um, Kevin Durant. Okay. LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, Kevin Durant. Okay. Let me freeze that. You're in a, you're in a pantheon of a very small fraternity yeah, of people like, that have had 10 shoes, yeah. signature shoes with Nike. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you point blank. Are you one of the greatest skateboarders to ever live? I don't even know how you answer that. I'm going to put you on the spot, but it's funny just in terms of, because you're such a, you're, it seems like your humility and your skill are much more separated than a lot of those other individuals that we've talked about. I mean, like LeBron and, and Jordan, let's just start with Jordan in particular. Like, I don't think anyone would ever accuse Jordan of being like a shy, overly humble individual. Whereas like, you don't, you don't come off that way, you know? And well, what- thank you. Um, well, I also will say what I do skateboarding, it's not built off competition. It's not, it's not inherently a competitive sport. You know, you might compete with yourself and push yourself to try and outdo what you did before. Um, and of course there is competitions that I've entered and, skating but i had to learn how to become a competitor in that aspect because it wasn't an innate instinct so in skateboarding it's it's not built on like trying got to be the best like in in basketball like the game itself is built, built on winning yeah. on being a winner and and so you know these kids these guys been playing ball since they were little kids i assume and you know over the years of you just build that and that's just like then that's the culture of of most athletic endeavors you know i guess in skateboarding yeah it's just it's it's i liken it more to like music it's not there is no who's the best How do you judge me is Jimi hendrix exactly. better than, than beethoven. bob dylan or who yeah, beethoven yeah, exactly. yeah it's not it's you know not I mean? looked so at in the same way that's how i think skateboarding is so to say like am i one of the greatest skateboarders ever maybe to some maybe not to others and there's no right or wrong answer it's just uh, like 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 how you would approach music. It's just based on off of taste and preference. So the metrics for judging that question are a lot more straightforward in basketball than in skateboard. Right, because you can actually take stats and be like boom, 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 boom. And even then, you know, people still will argue it. You know, all the time you see on Sports Center, like the guys yeah, are arguing yeah. back and forth on who they think this. Even then, it's not a clear, defined answer. But you at least have statistics to go off of. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's preference. So I, it's, it doesn't serve me to concern myself with that question or where yeah. I rank. Well, do you, do you appreciate the competitive aspect of skateboarding or is that something that you've just had to learn to evolve to be, you know, no, the place I, where you are? I've actually discovered that I am a competitive person. Um, I like that challenge of like right here, right now, do this trick, land it or don't for all the, for all the marbles, you know what I mean? Like, I like, I like that challenge to say like, Hey, on that day skating against all these other skateboarders that I, that I respect and believe are 
the elite skateboarders of our time, I was able to on that day, you know, outscore them or whatever, you know, the judges who judged that contest felt I skated the best that day. You know, that's a great honor and something that uh, feels good to accomplish because when you're street skating, there's none of that. It's like, all right, I'm trying this trick. I could try for five hours until I get it. You know, like that's a different type of challenge. That's a mental battle, physical battle type challenge. And that I really enjoy as well. So they're two different things, but I've come to learn that I am competitive. Like when I play basketball with my friends every day, we, before we skate, we warm up, we play this game called eight up. And, um, and I'm super competitive with that. <laughs> and in that, I will not be humble. I will talk shit because that's just the fun of it of, with, yeah. with your friends. Like if I don't know you that well, I probably won't talk shit with you. But like if you're with your people and or like, you know, just anything. If I'm playing beer pong, I want to win. I want to stomp you. You know, I wanna, <laughs> you know, like so, yeah, it's when it's when it's something that's not important, you know, of like course. I'll be competitive for the fun of the moment. Is that a personality trait that's, that's developed over your years or would you, is that something that you exhibited even before skateboarding? Would you, were you a competitive person as a, as a young kid? Um, uh, cause I mean, I'll just put it in the context of like, uh, you know, I've talked to Kelly Slater about this and he's, I don't think anybody on he's earth would accuse him of not being the most competitive person you've ever met. You know, right, whether it's about right, like right, right. who's getting the most likes on Twitter or right pipeline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where do you fall on that spectrum? Definitely nothing close to that. Um, which I don't know if it's good or bad. Maybe I would be much further along in my career if I were more competitive. I don't know, but I think you're um, doing okay. <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. Um, uh, no, definitely nothing like that. If it's like a game or a sport, yeah, I'm going to want to win, but then it only develops after it becomes like a routine for me. Like say if it's like my first time playing darts with somebody, I'm not like worried about beating them. I'm just like, getting the hang of it but like for instance basketball when we play this game eight up it's kind of become with my friends and i the routine where like we start the day off like if we're at the skate park we started off playing basketball that's how we warm up warm our body up get moving get going and then it's been a few years of doing that so now it's like once it became a habit of like all right tomorrow i got you tomorrow you're not getting one shot on me like that's you know yeah. then once i know it's part of my day-to-day then it's like all right i gotta win i got i gotta be the best Um, but with skateboarding, it was like, I just, I want to be my best, my personal best. I want to see what I can become, what I can do, uh, how much better I can get from yesterday to today, you know? Well, let me ask you this. So you're in some of, uh, Tony Hawk's video games in like the early two thousands, mid two thousands. And there's a new version that's out. It's got a whole new crop of, of young skaters. Like, how does it feel to be, you know, viewed by someone as like this elder statesman of skateboarding? Like, is it strange to have been in the game long enough? You're still relatively young, but there's yeah. a generation of skaters who grew up watching, watching P-Rod, watching your clips, watching yeah. that video. How does that feel? It definitely feels strange to be at this, at this phase in my career because I didn't realize how fast it goes, how time flies. You know, I spent so much of my time when, since when I started skating at 12, to when I became pro, just dreaming about becoming a pro. I never dreamt about like deep into my career. I just wanted to get there, you know? And then, um, then the fact that I was able to not only get there, but had this career that like, I didn't even realize I was able to, I didn't even, wasn't even know I could dream this far. What was, what, what ended up happening? You know, I just wanted to have a signature sneaker, signature board and get free stuff and make a living, you know? And, 
fact that not only did I get signature sneaker, but I got it on Nike and I got 10 of them. And I'm one of only the few to have 10 or more, or, you know, just all the endorsements that I've had or X games and street leagues and being able to like be in video games and, you know, just travel the world and meet some of my heroes and become friends with them. It, it like all that other extra stuff, like blows my mind. So I don't even remember, sorry, the original question, but no, I mean, it's, it's great. I just, it's funny. I, I think most people that end up achieve, achieving their their dreams, you know, whether it's becoming a, a pro skateboarder or getting to travel the world, I don't think anyone ever dreams about an exit strategy. You know, they dream, right. about, there you go. They dream about getting there. You yes. Know? You just don't ever, I never thought about what life would be on the backside of it or even to the point, what would it be after it when it's not something in my life, which is a weird place to be. But I will say since in an athletic endeavor, Every, every athlete has that arc. I will say to be at this side of it, I'm grateful for the position I'm in at this point. You know, some people get towards a certain point and have maybe bitter feelings or regretful feelings or just whatever, you know, along the way that didn't click for them or whatever leaves them feeling unhappy about it. Um, and I'm grateful to not in that position especially with skateboarding because like it's not typical like skateboarders don't earn money like other professional athletes it's very minimal um and very few skateboarders actually get to a point where they make good money or great money so a lot of times unfortunately you'll get skaters who are who now sponsors don't want to resign them and the new kids are coming up and didn't really make a whole they never, lot of money they never they set themselves it, up didn't yeah. didn't plan for it and now they're got a chip on their shoulder thinking like, well, you know, they screwed me over or left me out to dry or whatever the, the case may be. It happens quite a bit, um, which sucks. And so not to, I guess, seem like I'm being happy off maybe others misfortune, but I'm just grateful that I, I'm in a position where that's not the case. And you seem, you seem comfortable with it. So when you, when it's, whenever that is, whether it's five months or t 15 years, like right. you're going to be comfortable walking off the stage. I won't necessarily, I won't want to as far as desire goes, but yes. But you'll feel fulfilled and you won't yes. have regrets. I will feel fulfilled, but I, I will want to uh, have something else that I can put my energy to that I am just as passionate and love just as much. Because I think for me, that's what makes me happy in life is like having a craft to put myself into my energy into. Well, do you have something that is going to be able to fill that void of, like you, you mentioned, trying one trick for five hours and having right. the dedication and the drive and the persistence right. to do that? Do you have something else in your life that is going to take that place? Yeah. So like the last three years I've been studying acting, taking, you know, going to acting school, acting class, whatever. Um, and, you know, even now I have, agent, manager, and I go on auditions and stuff. So I haven't fully just dedicated all my time to like really honing that craft because I'm still so in love with skateboarding and want to make sure that I squeeze every ounce of my youth or physical abilities. I leave it all on the court for skateboarding. So as that kind of gets to the point where I have to professionally walk away and not do it on a high level, I, 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 I see myself really going into like, all right, let me put that same energy into like learning the craft of acting, the art of acting and 
getting into that. So it's, it's been really fun. And I'm, I'm glad I started it when I did. So that way it wasn't just like skateboarding's over. Now I got to start from scratch yeah. at this, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a, a gradually growing into it type thing. You know? And how, how is your, your acting career, how has it been perceived by the industry? Like, do you feel like the roles that you've gone out for have been, I mean, obviously you got to start off small, but mm-hmm. have, have they been things that have interested you or have you met this resistance of, Oh, we got this great role of like an action sports star. He's going to be on ballers. Or, I mean, have you been typecast or are they people have been genuinely um, receptive to letting you be an actual actor and not like kind of playing yourself? Yeah. My, my, my agent uh, sends me all kinds of roles. Um, but it's good because I'm not well known enough to the point where um, like most of the time, like people in the acting, they have you're no not well known idea. enough to be typecast. Yeah, as no idea who I am. It's not like, I was, you know, coming from this world and every, and everybody knows who I am and there's no hiding about it. It's, it's, you're just another guy in Hollywood going out for an audition. You know what I mean? So there's pros and cons to that. Yeah. And I'm lucky that I'm in a position where I can take my time to learn it and study it and be picky about like, Mm, uh, maybe I won't go out on that audition for that role. It's just not something I'm into or whatever. I, I mean, for the most part, I just go on every audition for the reps to get my reps in for the practice. But there's sometimes I'll just be like, I think that's a little that's too that's advanced fun. for me right now. I don't think my, my skill set is there and I don't want to get in front of those casting people and have such a terrible audition that they don't ever want to audition me for something else. You know what Interesting. I mean? So you're, you're passing on stuff because you feel you're not ready, not because it's not right. There's, there's certain things like I have really good agents and, and managers who, who handle high end clients and they can get me really good auditions. And sometimes there's auditions where I just know, like, I'm not, you're not I mean, I'm not, not, you're not there yet. I'm not there yet. And, and that's okay. And, but I'm, but sometimes I will go out on that and just say, fuck it, you know, I'll go. I don't care, you know, but I just, I try and gauge it and be like, well, I don't want to ruin a potential future audition with these people. If I do, if I'm, if I'm, if I do not very well and they're like, "Mm, that guy just, there's no even point in bringing him back. He's not even an actor. Like, you know, it's it's an experience issue, not a talent issue. So, and you'd rather just write it out and and address it when you're ready. And, and it's just like, like, I'm lucky where I've, I've learned how to learn something like with skateboarding. I've learned what it was to be a beginner from scratch and work your way up to a high level of it. And I know that it's, it's the same thing with acting. It's just a different medium, you know? So like I'm, I'm, I gotta be realistic about where I'm at with that skill level. And just, I know the process of how to grow and learn something and develop at it. So I'm just, I'm just doing it. I'm going through well, it. Like, and you're talking about Kobe, how the lessons that, that the public could take from him that were outside of the world of, of basketball. Is there anything that you've learned from skateboarding that's been really instrumental in acting? A million. Like just, yeah. Like yeah, education well, or what, I mean, what, what, what yes. lessons have you learned that, trans, that translate? Um, I'm, I, I am not worried about getting a no, like not getting an audition or, you know, people saying no has zero effect on my confidence. Um, you know, I just, I go in, that one didn't work out. Okay. Next one. Like skateboarding, like I tell you, I'll try a trick for five hours or something, whatever. Nope. You're, it's a rejection. Every miss you do until yeah. you do, all you have to do is land at one time. As long as the camera was rolling, you land at one time and everything was worth it. So the way I see it, 
I can go out on a million auditions. All I got to do is make land that one audition. You know what I mean? So like, I don't get discouraged that way of like, well, I've gone out on 50 auditions now. Nobody's called me back or I haven't gotten one. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Like, Let's worry about 51, you know? Yeah, exactly. The only reason I won't do a specific audition is for the reason I already told you of like, I need, let me, I, I need to get better for this one right here, but. So that's interesting. I mean, so would you characterize skateboarding as, or it's largely based on failure in terms of, of everything. Yeah. That's you, you spend your whole career failing. Your whole career is built off of those few times you actually successfully do something, uh, whether it's competition skating or the, 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 the footage you see in skate videos, like especially footage in skate videos, like that may have been the only time I've ever done that trick. And it may have taken me, three times of coming back three hour t- each time trying, you know what I mean? Like, so my whole career is based off the few times that I actually got it right. Wow. And that's, that's so interesting. And so that, that's, it seemed like that would be such a great asset to have that mindset in acting because yeah. Oh my it's God, a world how many of rejection, it's a-, it's a world of no's. Um, and I'm just so used to that. Like whether it's falling and getting hurt, at least on audition, you don't, you're not going to like sprain your ankle or there's not going to be a physical pain element along with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it might be a quick skin, like rejection like, and a cast yeah, on your yeah, ankle. Rejection yeah. and you know, yeah, exactly. And now you gotta get surgery. Uh, oh, that's funny. So I'm curious your interest in the pursuit of acting perhaps as a second act after skateboarding, is that a coincidence or is that a result of growing up in the industry and having your father be an actor and comedian when you were young? Yeah, for sure. So when I was real young, um, my mom and my dad, you know, my dad, of course, is actor, comedian. My mother, she also worked in the business, like um, script supervising and do all, all that kind of stuff. So I grew up around the entertainment world and my dad would take me on TV show, like on sets, movie sets and meeting all these other great actors. And I watch him do his thing. And it was always cool. But when I was real young, I, I always had energy. I had to be physically playing or being active. You know, I was just like, you know, my mom and dad definitely wanted me to do it young. And my mom had got me a little agent and manager. And, you know, at first I was like, thought it was cool. But then once I realized like going to these auditions and like sitting in the room with a bunch of these kids and I live in the Valley, we got to drive all the way out to LA and spend all that time in the car and going to I started hating it. I didn't, I didn't like that part of it. I hadn't developed that work ethic yet. So I got, got to the point where like my mom would say, you have an audition today. I'm not going. I'll throw a fit. I'm not going. I don't want to go. Like start crying. You know, I don't want to do it. I just want to go outside and play. Like, blah, blah. so whatever my hobby of the time was, whether it be karate or whatever I was doing, that's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to an audition and do it. So but I always had in the back of my mind like that it had looked fun. And I remember being on those sets and watching, you know, actors do their thing as I grew up and I fulfilled my urge with skateboarding and the athletic side of me. Um, I, I realized, well, at some point I can't be a high level athlete and make a living off this, but I still like to do something for a living that I really enjoy just as much. So acting, I thought would be a perfect thing because you can do that pretty much the rest of your life. You yeah. Know I mean, mean, obviously skating's a young man's game. 
Um, right. You know, music is a young man's game. Um, almost all of the creative endeavors for the most part, except for maybe acting, directing, writing, but everything I, else. I would is challenge a, yeah. you on music. Music is so? a young man's game. You got you got people who are who are still going. True. No, I, I agree. But in terms years. of, I'd say the industry definitely favors is a young man's game, especially now. Yeah, when you, you know, when you, pop, when you pop music. Let's call it, it say yeah. pop music, you know, yeah, which yeah. isn't to say that there aren't people that are still making great yeah. music. But I think as a commercial art form. It's sure, a, sure, it's a, sure. Um, but I, I think that is so cool that you, you were able to take the time to have this skateboarding career and then put acting in, in a place that is going to come to the forefront when you want it. Do you ever think about how your life would have turned out different if you were a, a child star instead of... A, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'd be real messed up in the head or I'd be strung out or maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would have become like, a, you know, how Leo became, you know what I mean? Like he started young and grew up in, you know, who knows? Yeah. Or maybe I wouldn't have gone anywhere. You know what I mean? Like maybe nothing would have happened but uh, yeah, man, I just, I thank God. Um, I thank God every day. Like I, I sit back and I think of how my life has kind of happened and been happening and continues to happen. And I mean, I, I, I'm not one to push religion or religious things, but I believe in God. And man, I, I feel like I, I see his hand or I see God's hands in, in the way my life turns out every day. So for me, it's just really cool to, to experience that. And, um, also with the acting, like it would have been, it would have been cool, if, you know, made it happen, whatever. But there was also that part of me, even as a young kid, I understood it. I just didn't know how to verbalize it. But like to have the in, like I was able just to get an agent and a manager as a kid because my dad, like, here you go, you got an agent and manager. Like kids and act other actors that go to acting class, like it's so hard from just to get to the point of getting an agent who will send them to auditions, let alone getting to go to the, like, let alone the audition part process like just getting to the point to getting to an audition is a grind in itself and um and getting into the sag union and all that and i've been in sag since i was you know 10 years old <laughs> you know and and i've and i was e immediately able to get an agent you know what i mean it, so i have been very gifted so i think if I had become a successful actor as a kid. There'd be a part of me that always knew that. There'd be like, an asterisk next to it. A always bit. knew like, well, I, my family ushered me into it and that gave me such a leg up. But the part I'm so grateful about skateboarding is like, I had to do that from scratch, you yeah. know, like I had to do that from no connections to nobody. And it's funny. People have actually told me that like, yo, you just where you're at because your dad, I'm like, dog, like if you can't skate, you can't skate. Like yeah. nobody can fake that for you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you can't, if you ain't got the moves, you ain't got the moves. It's, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So that part makes me feel proud knowing that like, all right, I made my own way. Now I can go do this acting thing without that feeling of like it was handed to me. And, and also I feel like if someone were to make the argument that your acting career now is leveraged against your skateboarding career. I don't think that's necessarily true, but even if it was, it's still something that you did for yourself. Right, you right, know? right, right. Exactly. Like, Hey, at this point, I, if, if somehow skateboarding does provide me an opportunity, like if maybe there's a certain director and their kid was a fan of me and that got me into a room or that helped me get a role or whatever, I welcome that with open arms because yeah, like I had to earn the position to, to, to have that luxury. Yeah. You know what I mean? So did you see, did you see mid nineties? I did. Yeah. What did uh -huh. you think of it? I, I, I thought, thought it was, it was just really, I thought it was terrific. Do you feel that that really captured, um, the kind of community that we talked about earlier in this conversation? Totally, like, totally, totally. And it was also like in a good way, almost 
hard to watch because it was like emotional for me because there were certain parts of it where like, that's me. That's me. I live that. Like, you know what I mean? So it was like hard for me to watch in the sense of like, it made me want to cry because like, it wasn't, oh, I wish I, I missed those times. How did, how did my life just flash by so fast? Like, oh, I need that back, you know? Yeah, like, and it was a really yeah. sweet movie. It just makes you think of those times where, you know, the most important, looking back on, on your life, or like, God, at some point in life, you're, the most important thing in your entire life was like what your friends were doing and what you were going to mm-hmm. do that night. Like, that's yeah. it, you know, such a yeah. simple time. But it was like, it doesn't make it any less um, real at the time. Like, that really was, that was yeah. your life, you know? Right. Just the same as like right now, there might be certain things we think is important in our life, but maybe when we get God willing, when we live super long lives and we're on our deathbed and we think back like, I can't believe I was stressed about that one thing or whatever. Yeah, like, what does so, it matter now? You so know what minor. I mean? Like, so, yeah. yeah, I think, well, I think COVID helped put a lot of things in perspective. For this is right true now. as well. This is very true as well. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I thank you so much for sitting down, man. And I always like to end the podcast and we've gotten to, you know, get inside your head and talk about you and your career. Um, we always like to give guests an opportunity to plug something that's inspiring them, whether it's like a movie or a book or another skateboarder. Is there any, anything that's really inspiring you that you want to shout out and give a little light to? I definitely always draw inspiration from a lot of sources. So I don't necessarily have a specific. Just anything. Is there, you, is there, is there, a, is there a, a movie, a book? Any music that is really... My favorite movie is Forrest Gump. <laughs> okay. Forrest Gump. Uh, I think he's inspiring. I think I think that character is inspiring, Forrest Gump. Um, that's a just, great answer. Yeah. So that's inspiring to me. I found a lot of inspiration from that. Um, but, you know, for me, I feel like if you're, if you're lucky enough to have a passion that you love to do before anyone is willing to pay you to do it that's already number one key if you don't have that make it your goal to find that because man it'll bring so much fulfillment to your life so much joy um and then once you have that finding other people whether it's in that field or outside of that field that you see that they have that same passion that you feel like you have for that and study them and let, allow their energy to keep you, keep your fire burning bright. Cause oh. it, it can, it can be easy. Even if you love something to like lose motivation, we all go in ups and downs and motivation, but like to always be striving to find that next motivation, whether it's another person or a, just a thing, a book, whatever. That's, good. Well, that's, those are great parting words, man. It seems so simple. Um, yeah. Find something that inspires you. And it's like, it's, I think it, a lot of people don't find that, you know, for lack of yeah. trying or for lack of time or money or whatever. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I think we're both blessed for having that, but, uh, exactly. Well, I wish you all the best, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and, of course. uh, it's always good to talk to you, man. And I wish you all the best. Stay safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you soon, bud. You as well. Stay safe, my man. This episode of The Plug was produced by Bucci with audio engineering and original music by Peter Buckingham. Thanks for listening and a huge thanks to today's guests for dropping in. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and be sure to tune in for future conversations.